from Local 12 Sports. It's the Skinny Podcast. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome to the Skinny Podcast. It's the Bengals post-game edition after a 34-14 win over the Indianapolis Colts. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com Digital Sports Commerce Center with Chris Rankle. It's brought to you in part by Lake the Attorney Maisley. Second winner in a row, which means we have a happy Richard Skinner. And Skinny, before we start, um, I don't want you to cramp up during this uh, segment. So yes, thank you. Uh, I got my jug of water here. Very well cheers done. cheers yeah, to a second to win. Same to you. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna. I, I I need a Gatorade. That gets my electrolytes going a little bit better. But this was kind of you. You, you know, I'm looking out hey, for you. Let here. me just tell you something. If this is when you start drinking the water, you're probably <laughs> too late when it comes to the cramp game, and that's what happened to Jake. Browning. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Coach Skinner that's right. talking to you that right is there. Correct. Uh, cramp aside. Another good game from Jake Browning, another good game for the Bengals, and all of a sudden they are back in the hunt. Yeah, and you know, listen, I know a lot of those yards came on screens. I think, what, 150 yards or what about came on screens, but he's really good at selling it. And then he's making some big throws. Um, I, I, the thing that impressed me was the interception was arguably a bad decision, bad throw, however it went, and, and he tried to explain it, which was fine. But then I see a lot of younger, and he's not young, but a lot of inexperienced quarterbacks get really gun-shy. I don't know if you remember, one of the first throws he made in the second half was a play-action hole shot. There were two defenders here, two defenders here, and a hole shot right in between the T. Higgins that he threw right on the money and didn't hesitate making that throw. Because when he threw it, I looked at all the white jerseys and thought, oh, no. It was a perfect throw. And I, that, to me, tells me a lot about Jake Browning to be able to just, I made a bad decision or I made a bad read or uh, maybe that wasn't on me. Maybe that was on Tanner Hudson for maybe he should. I don't think he should have. But again, he's really good at that kind of stuff. And to bounce back from that and lead the team on those drives in the second half before the cramp happened um, was spectacular. I mean, this is he's he's been just I, no one, even the most ardent Jake Browning fan would go. Yeah, this guy's going to do this. No one would have thought that. The question is, Jake Browning now, he went close to 300 yards, back-to-back playoff caliber teams in Indian Jacksonville. Yeah. They're back in the playoff hunt. Can he lead this team back to the postseason? And I'm going to go out on a limb here because he's played so well. Can they win a game in the postseason? It's a good question. Um, it depends on the matchup. It'll likely be on the road, not definitively, but likely be on the road. And that's always a factor. Although this team has been awful good on the road in the playoffs the last two years. Um, I, he won a huge road game at Jacksonville, so he's capable of doing that. He's literally checking every box along the way. And we've seen flash in the pan quarterbacks. I get it. Um, he just seems so steady, even keel. <laughs> I asked Zach Taylor on Friday, and we, we get a chance. Uh, some of those are there all the time. We get a chance to talk to him a little bit on Fridays. And I said, why, you know, he's determined to not be a one-hit wonder. Why do you think that is? And he simply said, the process. He just has a process. He goes through the process. And as opposed to riding the, I'm great, train, um, he's just on to the next week. And I think there's something to that. Um, this is three really good, I thought he was good against Pittsburgh, interception aside. And and that was his first career start. I Listen, if this team makes the play, doesn't make the playoffs, I don't think it's because Jake Browning doesn't play well. I don't. I think it'll be something else. He's definitely making himself a lot of money. No matter where this yeah. season ends, next year uh, the Brinks truck no is going to back up from somebody. Maybe the Bengals, maybe not. 18 to 24 passing, 275, two touchdowns, that interception that went for a pick six. I'm not going to blame him on that. Maybe a bad, fluky. bad, little fluky. fluky. Ronnie Harrison, I don't think knew he had the ball in <laughs> no, his lap until, until he, he was it. 10 yards yeah. downfield. Exactly. Like, oh, here's the ball. I'm yeah. going to go run it in for a pick six. But I, I thought the big takeaways from this game for me. We'll start with Chase Brown. Mm -hmm. He has been such a game changer for this offense the last two weeks. We saw the screen game be very effective. Joe Mixon was able to be a little more explosive in the passing game. But it just seems like they're 
you look at the touches, they're not different than what it was, but just having Brown there has really kind of opened things up. I mean, but he's had an explosive pass play. Last week had the biggest run they've had, the longest run they've had, the one in Jacksonville for 31 yards. He's given his team some juice. I, and I wrote a piece on, on Friday, kind of the trickle-down effect of what Chase Brown has brought, which is the explosiveness of the run game. The different looks he gives a defense as opposed to Joe Mixon, which is... Joe Mixon's had back-to-back 100-yard-plus games from scrimmage. Um, and then the bootleg stuff because the run game's going. I think that's a real strength of Jake Browning's. And so one guy has kind of trickled all that down. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence. It's not that Joe Mixon's had a fire lit under him. I, I know that mantra's going around or that narrative's going around. I, I don't believe that. I just believe that, you know, when somebody's showing a defense something different, you have to then prepare for something different with Joe Mixon. And, you know, he is a different runner, more physical and all those things. But in the screen game, takes another long run today. And both of them over 100 yards from scrimmage. Give me two backs doing that every week. You're going to win a lot of games in this league. And it, they complement each other yes. so well. Where Mixon is in his career right now, he's not the elusive guy he was. He's not the runaway from no, he's the guy. Between the tackles. But he's guy. between the tackles. He's very physical. And then Chase Brown, like you said, 22 miles an hour. Who knew he had that in him? You know, I asked him today, and I, I phrased the question so poorly, I was waiting for him to look at me with an idiot face. And I said, you know, coming into the draft, that wasn't kind of a mantra of what you are. I said, you know, you always been a speed back. And I thought, well, that's stupid. He's either fast or he's not fast. He gave me a great answer, actually. He said, no, I, you know, my, I was kind of methodical and plotting in college. It's the way we kind of ran things. He said, but when I came here and dealing with, with Coach Hill, Coach Justice Hill, the running backs coach, he said, you know, he told me how I can be more explosive and that when I get in the open field to, to show some of that, turn the Jets on, yeah, you know, 22 miles an hour, that's faster than Tyreek Hill. It's the second fastest player in the NFL this year behind D.K. Metcalf. That's in. Listen, there's speed. That's elite speed. I never knew Chase Brown had that in. Maybe he didn't either, for all I know. Fast, fast. I think that's yeah. what we call that. Fast, fast. And the Bengals are going to need a lot more Chase Brown to keep this train rolling if they want to make the postseason win their final four games. We got to talk about the defense, too, because the defense has had some bad couple mm-hmm. of weeks. Teams have gashed them on the ground. And the Colts, a pretty good run team, 13th in the NFL in rushing, 46 rushing yards. And I thought. The last two weeks, when I talked to DJ Reader and Mike Hilton at Bengals Nation on Wednesday, I said, you guys seem to play a little more physical. Like, it was almost like there was a, more of an edge to them. And they said there was. We knew we had to come out and be more physical. And they were able to do that against the Jaguars. That carried over. Zach Moss is a good running back. Good running Every back. time he got that ball, smacked right at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, another 46 yards. I think 13 were on the last three carries of the game where they were just running out the clock. And so it was even more dominant than the 46 yards. Listen, Jacksonville doesn't run the ball well on the ground. And, and so that was a game they needed to take that step forward. Maybe that's all they needed was to see themselves fit it right, tackle right, not give up some explosive plays. Because today, I mean, Indy really did nothing on the ground. There was nothing of any sustained success. And again, I, 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 there's the yin and the yang of going, well, that's back-to-back great games. Well, again, I don't think Jacksonville, they don't statistically, they don't run the ball well. But today, to your point, this is a team that does. And people could argue, well, no Jonathan Taylor, and they're one too. You're right, to your point. I mean, they've been running it well even without Jonathan Taylor at times this season. So I don't think it was just that. I think it was the Bengals' run defense playing much, much better. You saw the five-man front at times where they added an extra defensive lineman, and maybe that's, again, going to become a thing for them on, on certain rundowns. But, yeah, it's important moving forward. There's no question about what they can do against the runs because they had just given up some big chunk yards time and time again. On the offensive side of the ball, the trenches were where this game, I thought, was won because the defensive front, as we just said, yep. didn't let anything get by. They were able to pressure Garner Minshew three sacks. The offensive line. This is the most important, impressive and probably important stat of the game. Indy coming into the game, second in the NFL in sacks. They had multiple guys in the top ten list. They were good from all over. 
zero sacks given up by the offensive line. Do you know the streak that ended today as well? I don't. The Bengals had gone 42 straight games giving up at least one sack. That's the longest streak since the, uh, the 90s into the two, early 2000s, and that streak ended today. So um, not only was it, to your point, what they did, it was, again, this had been a consistent theme. And listen, as much as they throw the ball, you throw you're going to give up times. sacks. You're going to give up some the sacks. NFL. That's There's correct. really good pass And sometimes it's on the quarterback for holding it too long. And Jake learned that in his first start against Pittsburgh. He admittedly held it too long twice and got sacked. But still, you had those two things in a nutshell. That tells you why they had the success they did. But I also think some of it is from a defensive front standpoint. Well, they just hit us with screens. We can't get upfield the way we'd like to. Man, they're running the ball, so we can't get upfield the way we'd like to. And again, kudos to the offensive line. It all starts with them blocking. But I think you marry all this stuff together, it's why you see what the success level that they had. And I think Browning, from that first game aside, and we'll give him a pass, I think, because it's the Steelers and it's your first sure. NFL no start. Question. Yeah. He makes his decisions so much Quick. quicker. And I yep. know Burrow, when he's back there, he's, he's a little different. He's wait, waiting for Jamar to get open downfield. He wants those big chunk plays, and you're going to take sacks when you do that. But I think just the quick nature of Jake Browning back there has really made this offense a little more, it seems like a little more uh, like a train just chugging along. Yeah, and, and you know, some of it, again, off the bootlegs. You're probably not going to get sacked off a bootleg unless you come off and turn the corner and the end probably doesn't read it right and he's just going to attack you. That's one of the reasons they didn't do it against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's ends, to Brian Callahan's point to, to us, was they just go for the quarterback. They don't care about the run part of it, and that's why you didn't see bootlegs there. But the bootlegs also, it's, it's one of my favorite plays in football. If you're running the ball well and you bootleg it one way and come out the backside the other way, there's a lot of moving parts suddenly that a defense that has flowed one way cannot defend the other way. And I, I think this is a big part of, of what they're doing moving forward. And, yeah, I mean, kudos to the offensive line because uh, against a front that had been really, really good. And they got a big part back, not a pass rushing part. But Grover Stewart, a defensive tackle who had been suspended for six games, got, came back today. And he did that against their really their full load, if you will. Big picture, it seems like the last couple weeks – this team has had more of an edge to itself. It seems like, I, I know when we talked to the guys, nobody ever gave up after Joe got no. hurt. There was still that belief. They were all adamant that Joe, that Jake was going to be just, you know, be able to pick it up and, and play well. I didn't think well. that was lip service. Do you no, know? I, didn't, yeah, I didn't either. I, I thought there was a yeah. legitimate confidence yeah. in him, which uh, why I wasn't surprised when he played well in Jacksonville, because right. I'm like, these guys see it. They must see something going on. But when we talk about the last couple of years, they've had that mantra that's kind of fueled them. Do you feel like that's developing the last couple of weeks? I do. And so I asked Jonah Williams, do you believe momentum is real? And he said, absolutely. He said, I can remember two years ago when we sat in this locker room at one point, kind of like now, and said, we got to win every game. And they, did, they didn't win every game, but they won the games necessary to win the North and go to the playoffs. And, you know, I think once you've done that before in a tough spot, you feel like you can do it again, and then it comes to fruition again. Um, I think the other part in this game, the momentum factor, I'm kind of writing about that in a column, I wrote about that in a column of, you know, that, that they believe momentum is real in the macro, but even in the micro. You know, the momentum flipped on them at the end of the first half. It's 14 nothing. you're owning the game, and within 25 seconds, it's 14-all, and it was a sloppy end of the half, and things were a mess. And Jonas said, you know, we felt like, hey, it was a fluky interception that got returned. We felt like we played really well in the first half. Come out and get that drive in the second half, and that seemed like it reset everybody's button on both sides of the football. And then you look up, it's 28-14 and 31-14. And, you know, at that point, then the, the thumb hurt, you know, the cramp comes down. You're like, okay, get through this game, all those things. Um, they really did dominate that second half after the way the first half ended. That thing could have flipped on a lot of teams in a hurry, and it didn't flip on this team at all. Gut right now. 
Do they make the postseason? Yeah, I think they do. Um, you know, I have a hard time. You know, Minnesota was ugly, ugly, ugly today playing. And I don't know what their quarterback situation is like because they played both um, Dobbs and Mullins. Um, and, and, you know, the fact that you know, you've stacked a couple of wins, a home game. You know, Pittsburgh still looks like a mess. I know they beat the Bengals here 16-10. to 10, But if you keep this momentum rolling, you've seen them once. Jake Browning has seen them once. Kansas City still, even though they're not playing overly well at the moment, that's still a tough one. And then you get Cleveland at home. I mean, 10-7 and seven at the moment seems very feasible. That definitively gets you in. That, there's not even a debate about that. 9-8 is going to be the one that's in the muddy mix of, of playoff tiebreakers and all those things. You can avoid that by honestly beating what amounts to four backup quarterbacks. You beat one today. You got one coming up next week. No matter who it is, you're going to have one in Trubisky in, in Pittsburgh. And then God love Joe Flacco for what he's doing. I don't know how sustainable it is, but again, it's a, at this stage of his career, a backup quarterback. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think 10-7 and seven is very well in the cards. And I think the most, most important is the last two wins that they have to get this momentum, both playoff teams. No, so right. what they didn't have were tiebreakers. Now, now they, they have tiebreakers against teams great that are going to be there towards the end. Thanks for being with us. This has been the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals postgame edition, presented by Blake the Attorney Amazing.